Amen. You can be seated. Um, at this, well, in uh, 2011, there was a Category 9 uh, earthquake that hit the city of Fukushima, Japan. Uh, many of you probably remember that happening. Um, and that earthquake uh, caused a tsunami with 30-foot waves. Um, it, co- it cost about 16,000 people's lives. It cost about $300 billion in damage. And it was something that really caught the world by surprise. It's a terrible tragedy, tragedy, and even apart from that, it ended up damaging a nuclear power plant, leaking radiation, and causing a vast amount of damage with the radiation. But it might surprise you to know that just a few years before that, a Japanese scholar predicted that just such an event would happen in that city. Paleontologist Koji Minora uh, was reading through an ancient poem And as he was reading through this ancient poem, he found a reference that seemed to indicate something that happened like a tsunami. There was a reference to that, so he decided to dig a little bit further. And so he studied the different geological layers, and he found out that there was a similar, uh, that there was a tsunami in 869 A.D., which killed a thousand people. And then he went back further in the geological record, and he found that roughly every a thousand years, there was just such a tsunami. And so he warned everybody that he could that there was a tsunami that was going to come uh, with the earthquake. He said that it was long overdue, as they usually occurred every thousand years, but his cries were largely unheeded. And as a result, a terrible tragedy ensued. Sometimes when we fail to heed advice, it can be deadly. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to advice. Most of us have probably seen uh, the television show American Idol before, at least glimpses of it. Uh, at, during its peak years, it was the highest rated show on television, had a really strong following. And people watched the show for a number of different reasons, but one of the reasons I think people watched it was because uh, in the preliminary rounds, they would just kind of watch it for entertainment to see the people who would try out. And some of the people who would try out would be you know, pretty bad. And uh, they would, you know, as you, as you know, they would come up and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the next American Idol. And then when they get up to sing, they're just terrible singers. And it's really humorous to watch it in one sense, but in another sense, it's a little bit sad. Because if someone makes it to national television and kind of humiliates themselves on national television, either one of two things has happened. Either one, they don't have people who are telling the truth to them in their lives, people who are willing to speak out in their lives. Or two, they have those people, but they aren't listening to that advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That principle is true for us if we disregard the wisdom of God's people, the church. And we're talking about the church, we're talking about the people that make up the church, not the church as an institution, but the people in the church. If we disregard the wisdom of God's people, we're being fools. We all need the wisdom of other believers in the body of Christ if we're going to make good decisions. And we're talking in this series, this is the last part of the series about making decisions and how God speaks through uh, different means. We've talked about how God speaks through his word, through uh, circumstances, through prayer. And now we're talking about how God speaks through his people. It's important that we listen to the wisdom of God's people if we're going to make good decisions in our lives. Some people say things like, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like uh, going in a garage doesn't make you a car. Well, that's 
true. But Christ died for his church. He died for his people corporately. And we all need each other. We all need each other to speak truth into one another's life. And we all need each other if we're going to make wise decisions. And so we're talking today about how God speaks through his people, the church. And when we're talking about this, I think we need to make a distinction first. When we're talking about God speaking through his people, like Chris said last week, nobody here is called to add on to scripture. In other words, we're not called to speak a unique message to other people. Now, occasionally, I would say rarely, God speaks through kind of supernatural means. It, it happens. I think it's kind of rare, but sometimes God could speak through a vision or audibly. But usually, God speaks through his word, through people sharing his word. And so when we're talking about God speaking through his people, we're not talking about someone having a unique message and saying, hey, God told me this new message that nobody has ever heard before. We're talking about people sharing scripture, the truth of God's word, with one another. Let me give you an example. Let's say a person comes to you and says, I'm really struggling with anger. Is there any way you can help me? Is there any resources you can point me to? Well, you're not called to say, well, I got a surefire message that God has given me. This is a method that maybe uh, nobody else on the planet has ever heard before, but God has spoke it to me directly. And I'm going to give it to you today as God's message to you. That God's not calling you to do that. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about God speaking through uh, his church. Rather, the person who's coming, you might say something like, well, let me show you a scripture that's helped me deal with this issue. Or let me show you how this has worked out in my experience, in my past, and how I've dealt with this issue. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about God speaking through his people. We're not talking about speaking a supernatural message. But getting that distinction out of the way, what are some principles that we can keep in mind when we're talking about how God speaks through his people, through his church? Well, the first principle is this. God often speaks through people who are led by his spirit. It's pretty obvious, but I think we need to reiterate the point. In 2 Chronicles 18, 12-17, it says this. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to the Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, Go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would, pro- he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? So there's a lot of background to the story, but the basic idea is that all of these prophets are coming to the king. And the king is asking these prophets, should I go into the battle? Will God give me the victory? And they're all unanimously saying, yes, go into battle. God is going to give this enemy into your hands. But there's one prophet, Micaiah, who is led by the Spirit of the Lord, and he calls, uh, the king calls Micaiah to him and says the same question. Micaiah is led by the Spirit of the Lord and he gives a different answer. He says that God's judgment is going to fall upon uh, this king and this nation. It's in opposition to all the other 
prophets, because this prophet is led by the Spirit of the Lord. And as we go further in the story, we see that the king goes and he disguises himself in battle so that nobody will know that he's the king because they wanted to kill, they would have wanted to kill him as the king, but he disguises himself. And it says in the text that a soldier drew his bow randomly, just kind of fired up his bow in the air, and it just so happened to hit this king. Uh, and it, it just so happened to hit him between the chinks of his armor where there was no protection. So it was God's will that judgment would fall upon this evil king and upon this nation. And he made it known to Micaiah, who was a prophet who was led by the Spirit of the Lord. God speaks through those who are led by the Spirit of the Lord. Certainly God could communicate through anyone he wanted to. He spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. He spoke through even evil people. But when we're talking about making wise decisions and seeking out the wisdom of God's people and God speaking through uh, his people, we want to listen to those people who are led by the Spirit of the Lord. And when we're talking about decision making and uh, seeking God's people for guidance, there's kind of two extremes that we can fall into. On the one hand, some people have the mindset, I don't need anybody else to help me make my decisions. I'm going to make my decisions all by myself. I don't need other people in my life to uh, give me guidance or to keep me accountable. I'm going to do it all by myself. On the other hand, some people seek everybody's counsel, people's counsel that they maybe shouldn't even regard. Because the truth is, you shouldn't seek out everybody's counsel. It's counsel of people who are led by the Spirit of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 78 says this, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. God speaks through his people, those who are led by his spirit. And those are the people that we should listen to most closely. Let me give you an example, a hypothetical example. So imagine somebody writes me, say, an anonymous letter. And uh, I haven't had this happen to me before, but I know a pastor friend who I've read a letter that's been written to him like this. Let's first say this person writes an anonymous letter and says, well, I visited the church once or twice and then goes out to outline all the things that we're doing wrong in the church. You know, points out all these different things and, and, and says, you, you know, you guys are doing a terrible job at the church. And, I, and when in that situation... If a person doesn't have the decency to put their name on a piece of paper, it's pretty clear that that person isn't led by the Spirit of the Lord. On the other hand, if someone here, who I know walks with God, came up to me and said, you know, I've been praying about it, and biblically I see that there's some things that are going on in this church that should not be going on, that's a different equation. That's a different conversation. That's a different dynamic. And the same is true in our lives. We need to listen to those people in our life that we know are led by the Spirit of the Lord. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to advice. And not just any advice, but the advice of those who are led by his Spirit. So what's another principle that we can keep in mind when we're talking about God speaking through his people? Second, and we're going to have three points today. Second, God speaks through the proclamation of his word. God speaks through the proclamation of his word, through preaching and the sharing of scripture. Preaching has been a fundamental part of the church since its inception. The famous reformer John Calvin said this about preaching, when a man has climbed up into the pulpit, it is so that God may speak to us by the mouth of a man. 
And I don't think this just applies to public proclamation, public sharing of Scripture, but also to privately sharing Scripture with one another. Many of you have probably felt like God was speaking direct, directly to you during a message that maybe you've heard here or in another church. And the reason is because it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's Word. See, listening to a sermon is much different than listening to a lecture or a speech. Because with a lecture and speech, there's two parties involved. There's a, a speaker and then there's a listener or a receiver. But when preaching occurs, when preaching, the preaching of God word, God's word occurs, there's three parties involved. The speaker, the listener, and the Holy Spirit who applies that message to our hearts. Three parties are involved. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. The power of preaching comes not from the preacher, not from a human being, but from the power of the word of God applied through the Holy Spirit. It's a comfort to us because in the last two years, uh, two, uh, a few years, two people that I used to really respect in ministry, people who were great ministers and great preachers of the gospel, far greater preachers of the gospel than I am, fell into great sin. One of them uh, fell into adultery, and one of them fell into uh, a number of different things, including uh, plagiarizing in a book. These people were good preachers of the word. And at first glance, I look at their ministries, and they had huge ministries. Online ministries had thousands of people following them. When I look at their ministries, the tendency I have to, to think to myself, well, I can't trust anything that they had to say. Basically, their whole ministry was a sham. That's, that's how I look at it on a human sense. But on the other hand, what they did does not negate the lives that were changed by God's word. Yes, their influence and their ministry might be over. It might be nullified, but the people who were changed were not changed by them, but were changed by God's spirit through the scripture. The word of God was preached even though the vessels themselves were wicked. Graham Keith, the, tre the treasurer of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Billy's lifelong friend, tells a story about how he and Billy were in an elevator one day. And if you don't know who Billy Graham was, Billy Graham uh, was one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, perhaps one of the greatest preachers of all time. He preached to more people than anybody else on the history of the planet in terms of uh, actually physically preaching to people had thousands of people come out to his crusades. So he was a very well-respected man, and he's in this elevator with his friend, Graham Keith, and then another person comes into the elevator. This person says, you're Billy Graham, aren't you? Billy Graham says, yes. Well, the man said, you are truly a great man. Billy immediately responded, and he says, no, I'm not a great man. I just have a great message. And that doesn't mean that just because something is in a sermon, that doesn't mean that everything in it is right. But God speaks through his word. When the word is properly proclaimed, God speaks. And those who are listening to God's word, to a message, to a sermon, to the radio, wherever you hear God's word, 
God's people should look at that word and say, is what the preacher is, say, is saying, is that in line with what God has said? Is he saying what God has said? And we need to investigate in the scriptures to see if that's the truth. Because sometimes I will get it wrong. Sometimes every preacher who has ever preached before will get it wrong. So we need to look at the scriptures and see, is this what God has spoken? And if it is, we need to, to do business with God and be obedient to what he has said. Often in our American Christianity, we tend to simply accept what is given to us, but we need to search the scriptures and see if what is said is in line with what God has said. So God speaks through the proclamation of his word, and finally God, speak, God can speak through you. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago how God speaks through his word, and I said that one of the reasons we sometimes have trouble making decisions, good decisions, is because we don't know enough about God's word. We don't know God's will because we don't study God's word. And the same is true if we're going to have God speak through us. If we want to be people of wisdom, people who know God's will and God's ways, we need to be people who are formed by God's word. We need to know what God's message is. And this works on two different levels. We need to know God's word so we can speak to other believers. Hebrews 3.13 says this, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're called to speak the truth to one another in love, to be a voice of wisdom in other people's lives, to our friends, our spouse, our kids, our loved ones. But if that's going to be happen, we need to be formed and shaped by the word. We need to know what God has said. This also works with unbelievers. If we're going to speak God's truth to unbelievers, we need to know what God has said. We need to know the contents of the message of the gospel. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, that we are God's ambassadors. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are God's ambassador to a dying world. You are God's message to a dying world. You are the mouthpiece that God will use to speak to the dying world. It says in Romans, how will they hear without preacher. How will they know God's word if you don't share God's word with them? And if you're going to do that, you need to know what God has said. The question is, are we representing God well? Theologian, uh, professor Donald Whitney shares in his uh, book, Spiritual Disciplines for the, for the Christian Life, a story uh, about how he went to Africa. And I'll read this story to you. He said, in August of 1989, I had the privilege of participating in a mission trip to the bush country of East Africa. Four of us from the church I pastored lived in tents in front of a tiny, unfinished, mud-and-sticks church building, six miles from the nearest settlement. I've been overseas enough to know that many customs I have come to identify with Christianity will clash at some points with the culture of our hosts. My experiences have taught me to anticipate swallowing with difficulty some of my American expectations, not to mention a few other things about how Christians should live. But I was unprepared for some of my encounters with many of the professing Christians in this equatorial set setting. Lying, stealing, and immorality were common and generally accepted, even among the leadership of the church. 
Theological understanding was scarce as water. The disease of doctrinal error as common as malaria. Soon I discovered one of the main reasons this church looked as though it had been started by Corinthian missionaries. No one had a Bible, not a pastor, not a deacon, no one. The pastor had only half a dozen sermons, all half-baked over the coals of a few Bible story recollections. Every sixth week came the same sermon. The only real contact with Scripture happened with the occasional visit of a missionary, the nearest one was a hundred miles away, or when an area denominational worker would preach. For almost everyone in the church, these infrequent, vicarious brushes with the Bible were all they'd ever known. Only one man had any measure of spiritual maturity, and that was because he had lived most of his life elsewhere and attended a Bible-teaching church. He goes on to say, Most of us shake our heads at pity at such sad conditions. It's hard to imagine that many of us have more Bibles in our homes than the entire churches have in some third-world countries. But it's one thing to be unfamiliar with Scripture when you don't own a Bible. It's another when you have a bookshelf full. He says, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. If we're going to be people through whom God speaks, we need to know what God has said in his word. God speaks through his people. He speaks through through people who are led by his spirit. He speaks through the proclamation of his word. And God can speak through you. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. This is concluding the uh, series that we're doing about making decisions, and next week we'll talk a little bit differently about how God speaks through creation. But this is concluding the series about how God speaks through uh, different circumstances and how we make decisions in light of that. We've talked again about how God speaks through his word, through circumstances, through prayer, and now through how he speaks through God's people. So when we're coming to a decision uh, that we're making in our life, what are some things that we can keep in mind? Sometimes when we factoring, we're factoring all these things involved, sometimes it's still difficult to make a decision. I'd like to share an illustration with you that hopefully is helpful. When I, uh, I like to purchase things on Amazon.com. Uh, I have an Amazon Prime, and you can just order it, and it will come to you in two days, uh, free shipping. So I order a number of things on Amazon, um, and if there's something that I'm looking at, if it's a gift or, or something else um, that I'm not familiar with, what I'll do is I'll look at the reviews on Amazon. And uh, there's three things that usually happens when I look at the reviews. Sometimes I'll look at a review and it will have like two stars out of five. And you'll just read it and 90% of the people will say that the product is just a piece of garbage. You know, they say, I would never buy it again. And so it's clear, I don't want to buy that product. Then other products, I'll look at them, and they'll be have like a 4.5 or 5-star rating, and like 80% of the people might give it a 5-star rating, maybe a few people give it a 4-star rating, and then just a handful of people maybe give it a poor rating. And most people say, yeah, that's a great product, and then I know that's a good product to buy. But sometimes, and this has happened to me, I'll look at a, at a product and some people, it'll have maybe a three-star rating or a four-star rating. And I'll start to read the reviews, and some people will say, this is a great product. You should buy it. Um, changed my life. And then other people will say, this is a piece of garbage. Don't ever buy this product. And this is the same product they're talking about. And you read the, you know, those two different reviews, and you're thinking, well, which is it? It's got to be one or the other. I think this is a helpful illustration for how we make decisions in our life.
See, sometimes we come to uh, God's will and God's ways and we're looking for God, an answer to a certain decision in our life. And sometimes it seems like God will just shut all the doors. As we're seeking God's will, he'll shut all the doors. The circumstances won't align. He'll kind of lead us in a different direction. And it's pretty clear that that's not God's will. And when that's the situation, we need to either decide, are we going to keep going down that path, a path that we know is not God's will, or we're going to change course? Other times, we might be pondering a decision, and everything points in a certain direction. The circumstances, he's communicated to us through his word, through God's people, through our time in prayer, and it's a clear, open door, and it's clear that we should go through that way. And then the question is, are we going to be obedient to go through the path God has for us? Other times, it might be a little bit more difficult. Other times, maybe, maybe God has spoken to us through his word, through prayer, but maybe the circumstances aren't lining up. And there might be some questions in our mind. And in that situation, I think God gives us the ability to use the wisdom that he's given us. It's using all of the different resources that we have to make the decision that we think is most honoring to God. And when we do that, I think God will be faithful to that to be faithful to our desire to honor him and to use wisdom in doing that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your will and your your word. We thank you that you speak to us. And God, we just thank you that you don't leave us in the dark, that you've given us your word, and that in it we have everything that that we need for life and for godliness. God, we just pray for those here who are in the midst of making uh, difficult decisions. God, I pray first of all that they would uh, spend the time to uh, get close to you, to get to know you, to get to know your word, to spend time with you, that they would seek out your will, that they would, above all else, desire to honor you. And God, we pray that you would make clear to them the path that they should go. We pray that you'd just give them wisdom, give them direction, give them the resources they need for them to make the right decision, decision that would be most honoring to you. And God, we just thank you, above all, that you hold our lives in your hands. And that even when we make mistakes, even when we go astray, that you're still in charge, you're still in control, that you can make beauty out of ashes, even when we make mistakes or go to go the wrong way. God, we thank you for all that you are for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.